Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the studio with my co-host Lauren Steven. Hey everybody. Hello everyone, we're back. We, we are back. We are back. Guys, I, I don't know if I'm really getting used to this every two-week episode release. It's, I know. Uh, I feel like I miss our time together more. It is you know? weird. I know we don't yeah. see we don't see as much of each other anymore. So like a lot's happened since we've been together. I mean the leaves have changed. It's gotten colder, and it's it's a great time to be alive. Fall is here. Fall is here, Fall and is we here. do have um, a, a topic today that man I, we were talking right before we started recording, and I, I think if, this is one of those topics that. Um, well, we're we're actually talking about when you're hurt by the church, and and as we started talking, I, I actually kind of asked the question. I was like, "Well, who hasn't been hurt by the church, right?" Uh, because this seems like one of those things that um, the more you talk with people and hear people's experiences, there it seems like everybody at least has a moment, or a, if they've been in the body of Christ any length of time, a moment where they've been hurt by someone else. And actually, you had an interesting quote that you were going to share. Yeah. And so like, uh, this is a quote by George Barna. And he says this in the midst of the emotional and spiritual upset that occurs when a church hurts or disappoints us, we tend to lose sight of the fact that the local church is merely a collection of people on a challenging journey, a group of people that are involved in a long-term transformation process. And I read that and I was like, First of all, I didn't expect Barna to have a <laughs> quote on church hurt, but then I read it and I was like, man, isn't that so true that like, um, we lose sight sometimes that people and the nature of interacting with people is a lot of times that hurt will happen. And that happens whether we're in a group of people called the church or a group outside the church of people, you know, hurt happens when people interact with one another. And, um, especially in the context of church where we are literally being sanctified and made more like Jesus. So a lot of our issues come up because of that. And so, um, I think that that was a really good uh, quote there. Pain and hurt is a shared human experience. So the church is not going to be any different, unfortunately, I think, because mm-hmm. yeah, we're all human. No, certainly. And, and I think so you think about, you know, as you're listening today, I wonder, have you been wounded by the church? And maybe there's been an experience in your life where you've experienced kind of a personal injury from another fellow follower of Christ or at least if you've not experienced that, I'm sure you know somebody uh, that has been affected in that way. And, you know, I, I just want to say, even before we start talking about this today, like if that has been your experience, I think we just want to say right up front that we believe that the transforming grace of God does have the power to heal wounds. And and God's word has the power to rebuild our hurt, <clears throat> our lives, and, and God's grace has the power to, you know, transform a bitter heart. And so, um, you know, and and I think oftentimes too, you know, guys, it's not even being hurt that was hurt that was intentional. Actually, sometimes it could quite possibly be something that was unintentional, but, but even if it was intentional or unintentional, it doesn't make the pain hurt any less, does it? Mm -hmm. The hurt's still, whether it's intentional or unintentional, the hurt's still there. I mean, like it doesn't make it any less painful to be like, Oh, well that was unintentional, you know, like it's still hurtful. Um, and it might be good for, um, at least understanding, well, it wasn't intentional. So you don't just like hate me, (laughs) but still it's painful. And still that's something that has to be healed from and that the grace of God has to bring healing in. Yeah. So I guess let's be kind of begin this way today. Um, you know, what do you guys think are the reasons that kind of account for people being hurt 
in the church? Well, I think I think one uh, reason that we often um, probably pops into our mind is um, sin, you know, and just the sinful brokenness of humanity. So whether that's on the um, sins in the church, sins of people in the church, maybe sins of people in leadership, or even sins of people that are hurt and the consequences are not meted out in a correct way, you know, but like, I think sin many times um, will cause hurt in the church. And so maybe it's a careless word or a hurtful word spoken in anger. And um, it, cuts deep. And when that hurt is not dealt with, it just, um, grows and, um, just, um, kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it gets so big that it's hard to deal with, you know? Sure. I mean, I think about my own life and kind of my own experience growing up in the church. And I know, uh, things that I have seen or, or heard of kind of firsthand in terms of that, you know, sinful actions on other of people that have hurt people. Um, I think about moral failure of people in leadership. I think about um, kind of the fallout from all of that and, and then the hurt that that caused. Um, I, I think about financial mismanagement and, and churches that, you know, had someone embezzling finances or, or something to that nature. And then the pain that that caused um, people, you know, and I think it's important to clarify but when we talk about being hurt by the church, we're, we're not talking about being hurt by a building. We're not even talking about being hurt by the institution because ultimately it's the people, you know, it's that, uh, I was thinking this week that that little thing, I was trying to teach Ashlyn a thing about the church with the steeple. Yeah. With your hands. My, uh, my grandmother used to do that with me where you put your hands together with your fingers like towards you. How do you do this on a podcast? I don't know, but you make a little steeple with your pointy fingers. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and there's all the people. And that's the people, right? So like if we say I am hurt by the church, well, okay. Did the building hurt you? Did the, it, no, it's it's the people, and it, and it may be the entire group of people. It could be in some churches, one individual or a group of individuals. But so I think that's the important thing to recognize, even up front, is that you know the church is, as Stephen referenced earlier, it, it is this group of people that have been justified, they've been saved, but they're growing in that salvation. And one day they will be glorified, like they will be made complete, but they're in that process of growth. And so we're walking forward, aren't we? But we're walking in repentance and faith, and we're stumbling forward by God's grace. And so the church is just kind of this, you know, as we think about the church, I think we need to define what we're talking about. We're talking about people And we're talking about a collection of people because here's the thing, just because they're in a church doesn't mean that they're a born again follower of Christ. Right. I mean, there could be sinners and saints in that building. You know what I'm saying? Like think of Billy Graham's quote that the greatest mission field is in the church and just pointing to the fact of like, uh, I mean, even in your church, wherever you attend um, to our, for our listeners, I mean, we are not called to judge the salvation of others. However, the Bible did give clear um, proofs of salvation. And many times there are a lot of Christians who quote unquote claim to be Christians, but their lives match up nothing with Jesus Christ. And um, sometimes that can be because they might've backslidden, but many times that is because they have a false hope in something other than Jesus Christ. And so the church, it, it does uh, include people that attend it of both the saints and people who aren't the saints. 
And I think sometimes we forget that and we're always just like, well, the church, you know, it's all saved people. Well, that's not, that's not necessarily true. The church, the body of Christ is all saved people, but the local church has both wheat and tares in it. Yeah. And Which so, muddies the water a little bit. <laughs> it does. Well, because yeah. Yeah, yeah, it means you've, well, you've experienced hurt from people. And, and like Stephen said, he, he mentions, you know, sinful actions or choices. I would add another one. I think sometimes people are hurt by a church because of an unhealthy culture in that church. Mm. Uh, there are some churches that are like driven by a culture of shame mm-hmm. or it could be a culture of gossip or a culture of fear. And it's like anything that is contrary to the fruit of the spirit that that church is being driven by is is, is ultimately an unhealthy culture. Well, um, okay. So if those are examples of an unhealthy culture, what would you guys say is the, is a, a healthy local body's culture? Like yeah, what I think it's the fruit of the spirit. It? It's the fruit of the spirit. And so, so a body that is experiencing the fruit of the spirit and living out the fruit of the spirit will be a healthy culture. But I, I think what we realize is sometimes our hurt is not necessarily because of a sinful action of somebody. I think sometimes people's hurt is just because they're in a culture, a church culture that's been built on shame or, or, or fear. And so that's driven the, the actions of that church that's driven the direction of that church. And sometimes uh, that, that can be painful, right? I mean, if it's, if it's not a culture that's being driven by the spirit of God, and then I think the other thing that maybe we need to bring into this is, you know, some unrealistic expectations, you know? I think there's kind of this unspoken expectation in the church that because it's the redeemed people of God that the people are perfect. Mm-hmm. And then we end up really disappointed when we find out that's not true. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I know like in our new members class, like one of the things like I try to hit so hard when people are coming into the church is like, hey, listen, this is not a perfect church. And because I think sometimes people attend over a number of weeks and then they just get caught up into the, you know, the, the excitement and the culture of the church. And, and, and if, it, if, it, if it's a church that is welcoming well and, you know, loving people well, like they're just going to experience what they should experience, like this healthy experience of being in the body. But I think, you know, the minute that that, that, that that's a right expectation to have. But but I, I think sometimes we just take for granted that. Um, because it's a church that the church would demonstrate more kindness, uh, and they should than the rest of the world. But we're surprised when people are sinful and they do sinful things. Yeah. I think that we expect the church to be a safe place. Sure. And, and it should it be, should it be, should be a be. safe place, but when we're hurt by others and we don't feel safe anymore for whatever reason, whether it's a culture of shame or it's, um, you know, unrealistic expectations or disappointment or, um, you know, all those other things we mentioned, uh, we are, I think we start to feel unsafe and we start to feel hurt and then hurt people hurt people and Mm -hmm. it can be a domino effect. Yeah. And I think the unmet expectations sometimes can go both ways in the, in, in the idea of sometimes as a church, you have like, um, a membership covenant, you know, or you might have an idea of like, Hey, this is our philosophy and our values. But sometimes if those philosophy and values are not communicated clearly, or they're not communicated up front, sometimes like somebody might come back later and be like, well, why in the world did you choose not to, um, include my 
child's action and like your <laughs> service or something, you know? And it's like, well, we weren't singling you out. You know, our policy states that, blah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, that's a bad example. But like, sometimes I've been in places where like the policy will state one thing, but then it wasn't communicated clearly. So later, like a parent might be like, well, how in the world then are you singling my child out? Well, they don't meet the age requirement for this ministry or they don't eat the meet the, you know, fill in the blank. And sometimes those miscommunicated. That's a misunderstanding. Um, mi- yeah, mm-hmm. it's a misunderstanding, mm-hmm. but it's not that communicating our expectations properly. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that hurts. And so that's why we have to communicate clearly as well. A question I had under this was like, um, is spiritual abuse not a cause of hurt? Or is this like a completely different conversation from being hurt by the church? Because I think sometimes like, especially um, in our modern day, like the um, the light has been shown on what is spiritual abuse and trying to shed light on things that have been swept under the rug in our Christian culture. And so like, is that like the same thing as being hurt by the church or is being hurt by the church like a different subject than spiritual abuse or do they kind of weave together? Um, what is your all's thoughts on that? Well, I think people who have experienced spiritual abuse within a church have definitely been hurt by that. Right. I think I would ask the question, what do you mean by spiritual abuse? So that's a great question. I think that spiritual abuse is a term that has been generalized um, in our modern culture to where it can mean uh, anything, you know, uh, I, I've, um, I've had people that I know who will be like, well, you know, well, I've experienced spiritual abuse in my church. And it's like, well, what happened? And it's like, well, they tried to, you know, um, encourage me and hold me accountable to something, uh, like a standard or something. And it's like, well, there might be a difference there from being held accountable to like spiritual abuse, you know? And so something that I've found, and you can look on, uh, you can look online resources and things. I know Christianity today wrote an article on what is spiritual abuse and a working definition. And I kind of agree with some of their things. And then some of their things I'm like, "Hmm, I don't know. But what they say is, is that it is characterized by a systemic pattern of coercive and controlling behavior in a religious context. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a decent working base point to go from is this idea of control. Um, and they make a good point. Spiritual abuse is not just a one way street from leadership down. It actually can be from congregants towards leadership. Certainly. And, um, I think it goes both ways, you know, uh, of leadership down and, um, congregants towards leadership, but spiritual abuse many times, um, is this idea of its control. And it comes down to, I believe control without accountability. Uh, when you see spiritual abuse, many times it's either they had no accountability or the accountability that they had was um, it was tainted and their accountability was no accountability. They either didn't hold them accountable to a standard or they went along with their bad behavior, you know, and um, spiritual abuse is a real thing. And if you've ever experienced it, um, my heart goes out to you, you know, because um, you are hurt by the church. But it's a, I, I think it's a different topic than being hurt by a careless word in a from a congregation member or spiritual abuse is a uh, very very hurtful thing and something that many times will um, drive people away from the church permanently i think that's why the apostle paul <clears throat> as he writes to the churches makes such a makes such a uh, emphasis on the qualifications of those who would serve in leadership of christ church because i think paul understood that um that there was a potential for that i mean you look at the number of new testament letters that you know uh are writing to 
confront false teaching in a church. And I think, you know, that's because the apostles recognized just how destructive that influence, that leadership could be um, if if they were not holding to proper biblical qualifications, you know. And I think um, I, I think you can I agree with what you're saying, and I think you can see throughout church history the I mean just look what happened to the Catholic Church during like the Middle Ages and the way that you know religion was being used to try and control people even in terms of like a political arena and it's like well the reason for that is because it it is serious I mean it's weighty things and I think um, I think that is probably why the Bible stresses so much the importance of biblical qualification of those who do lead in a church but that is doesn't mean uh, just because someone at one time was fulfilling those qualifications. I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, like, you know, we can see the fallout from a moral scandal or something like that of, of an individual pastor who was, you know, fulfilling God's qualification and fell into sin. And so, you know, um, it, it hurts. It hurts to see somebody that you love and esteem and trust and, you know, in effect, you know, uh, feed you the word of God uh, to 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 see their life depart from that of what they've taught themselves. So um, I would just ask this question, and I want to know what you all think about this as we're talking about you know the the occurrences for people being hurt. But um, I wonder if sometimes when people say I've been hurt by the church, if that's not some if that's not simply just a way of deflecting from the real reason of who hurt them, because rather than like dealing with conflict and addressing, you know, as the Bible talks about, like going to somebody that sinned against you, it's easier just to say, oh, I was hurt by the church because then nobody's coming. Like, I don't have to go to them. Okay, I got you. Yeah, rather than dealing with a specific issue that happened. A person or a group of people, because I believe if if a person's been hurt by the church, they've not been hurt by an organization or a building. They've been hurt by people. And and it's not everybody in that assembly, or it may it, it may be. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but every situation is different. All I'm saying is, I think sometimes when we say I've been hurt by the church, that muddies things because I feel like it deflects from the real reason of who hurt them. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about that? I think that I think that it does have some. Um, I think that that point does have some veracity. Definitely, I think i do think that there what you said though is true that every case is different so like in some cases it can be an entire uh group of people that have hurt somebody but many times i do think that you're right that there are individuals that have caused the majority of the hurt and um i think sometimes if we don't find the source of the hurt and make it specific in our lives and we're hurt that's right if we don't do that, how can we deal with it? And the Bible calls us, if we are truly Christians, to deal with it or to attempt to deal with it. Uh, we can't force restitution, but we can make reconciliation from our point of view, right? Sure. And um, we can't force the other person to make that uh, happen, but we can sure seek to on our end, you know? And I think that you're right. If we don't specify who hurt us, sometimes it can be just this generic thing and how can we work in generalities? You right. know? How do you apply? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to well, cut no, you. To what he was saying, um, it's important to deal with those things specifically because at least I've seen in my life before, like if I don't deal with something really specifically, I'll start to associate that one person's um, like pain that they've you know inflicted on my life. At that particular instance, I'll start to associate that one instance with all other believers or That's I'll right. start to associate right. that with the church at large. Well, because this person acted this way, they're all like that. It's always going to be that way. And so like restitution is helpful. It's not just an uncomfortable thing that God calls us to. It is 
healthy for us. It helps us pinpoint in our minds what happened. And then when you go, you get more clarification from the person that you're talking to. There's a lot of assumptions on both sides. Usually it's healthy for us, even just in our minds to pinpoint what happened. And then we can disassociate, you know, God from this particular thing. We can disassociate other believers from what happened because we're being specific. Yeah, and so I think right up front, as we're talking about, you know, kind of the reasons for people being hurt, I think that requires each of us who have been hurt by the church and are maybe still wrestling through that, working through that, to really identify, like you're saying, like, well, how have I been hurt? And really identifying, like, what caused that. Let me give you an illustration, and I know all illustrations break down, but uh, the most painful experience I feel like I've had in my life physically has been when I was a counselor at summer camp, and I was making my bed, and it was alongside this uh, paneling, wood, old wood paneling wall, and uh, I was making my bed that morning, and I remember shoving my hand between the bed and the wall. To t- I just see your face right now. Yep. It's just like, right, feel it. Feel it. There was like, I'm not, a la- I'm not joking. It was like a half inch um, uh, splinter went right underneath my fingernail yeah. all the way down to the quick. I mean, I'm not, it hurt so bad. And I like you're saying, well, that's the worst you've ever been hurt physically. Well, I, I think so. Like, that really, <laughs> like, so maybe I'm showing how much I've not been injured in my life, but that really, really hurt. And the worst part about is when you, when I went to pull the splinter out, it broke. Yeah. And so now I had yeah. a, 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 like a quarter inch of a splinter embedded under my fingernail. And I spent the entire day, I went to the nurse's station because I was like, hey, certainly they can fix this. They can heal this, right? And I went to the nurse's station and they were like, uh, here's, a, uh, here's a needle. See if you can dig it out. So How old were you? I was like a college student. I was like oh, 21 okay. years old. Okay. I, I was thinking you were like 12. Because <laughs> so I was like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> But I was like, you don't have anything better than that? Like nothing better to deal with my hurt and my pain than to hand me a needle, like a medical needle. And so no joke, guys, I spent the whole day digging that splinter out and it was the most painful thing. But what I'm trying to say is like, I was hurt by that splinter. I was hurt by that one piece of, you know, the paneling. It would be a very different thing for me to like live my whole life saying I wasn't hurt by the splinter. I was hurt by the wall of paneling, you know, and now every time I walk into a building and I see wooden paneling, like here at the church, I'm like, oh, <laughs> rocking no. in a corner. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Because it brings I, back. I kind of need some closure there. Did you okay, get it out? So, okay. Well, I feel like <laughs> with I the just, needle. No, I didn't get it out with a needle. Okay, I see? mean, I dug on that thing for like days and I think I finally, it just finally came out. But here's, here, let me, let me, let me just like wrap this story up because I think here's the thing. Someone told me like after the fact that that happened, that you could um, soak your hand in Epsom salts mm-hmm. and that Epsom salts literally would have just like released that splinter outside of my nail. So, but here's the whole point of that story. I experienced so much additional pain in my life because I was trying to deal with hurt the wrong way. Hmm. Like had someone really shown me what is the real remedy to, to, to deal with that pain. Um, then I really, I think I could have been healed a lot quicker from it. And so I I use that as a silly illustration, but I think it's helpful because we need to identify how we were hurt. What is the real issue there? And, and as we talked about earlier in the episode, I mean, we believe in the transforming power of God's grace. And I think God's grace is what is like that Epsom salt. That's that it's, it's what, it's what I'm, it's, it's, I'm able to soak in that and, um, experience the healing from that. Right. So 
Let me ask you guys this question as we're talking about the pain of everything. Like, why is being hurt by the church just particularly painful? I think because we are one body. So, you know, in Corinthians, it says that God has put the body together so there'd be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And one member, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Like we are one body. And as I was thinking through this, it made me think of like, why is it so painful? Well, you guys know what an autoimmune disease is, right? Mm -hmm. Like in your body, the autoimmune disease is when your body starts attacking itself. And that's what, that's how I see church hurt. It's the equivalent of an autoimmune disease when the body starts hurting itself. Hmm. And it hurts hmm. so bad because we are one body. It, and it, it, yeah, what do you think, Stephen, to that? I would agree completely with that's you. That's a good that, illustration. W- with you on that. Um, church is supposed to be a group of believers, a family of believers, and family hurts each other unlike any other hurt. Um, family hurt is the worst because you don't expect it from family. So it kind of catches you off guard. And then I would also say too, um, especially this would go like for especially situations of like spiritual abuse or leadership that has failed. You expect people who are leading to protect you, to, um, give that security, the comfort and stuff. And when, when there's a failure in that of leadership, you don't expect your, leader to hurt you you expect them to comfort or stand up for you you know and if that if that has happened in your situation then that is a that's just something that just catches you off guard and you're like well wait you were supposed to be the one who was supposed to be like caring for me Mm -hmm. and now you're not caring for me so like what is happening here you know and so i think um i think that that can be a huge thing um as well as why it is particularly painful. Yeah, I I think it's what you guys are alluding to. It's that body and the family aspect. And so it's like, I remember having a pastor years ago share with me that he thought that in his estimation, personal betrayal could be some of the deepest wounds to heal from. And I think he's right. I mean, over the years of pastoral ministry and counseling with different people, I, I, I would agree with that. I think it's the, it's the deep personal betrayal that I think is some of the hardest wounds to heal from. And, um, and so, you know, it is painful. And I think in the midst of that, it's the reminder to me is um, in the book of Revelation, you know, Jesus writes this book, uh, gives this book through John, a vision of John. And remember, Jesus is writing to the seven churches. And in every one of the seven churches, Jesus makes a statement. He says, I know. He, he, he gives each church kind of a word of commendation and then a word of condemnation. But it reminds me that like in every one of those things, Jesus is intimately aware of what his church is experiencing and every church, right? I mean, his assemblies, Jesus is is pictured there in Revelation as, as walking in the midst of those lampstands. And so, you know, I think it's an encouragement to know that regardless of your situation or how you feel like you've been hurt, um, Jesus knows that like there's no trying to explain to him what really happened. You know, I think sometimes people that have been hurt and when we've been hurt, you know, we run to the Lord and we're just like trying to explain to God what happened. And it's like, well, you don't have to explain to him anything. He's well aware of everything that happened. He's the head of the body. That's right. So what hurts us also hurts him. That's right. That's right. So can I ask you guys a question then? So where do we see instances of people being hurt by the church in the Bible? 
I thought of Demas. He's the one I thought of. He, is yeah. he? Yeah. Demas was the first one. He was. I thought of Paul because of Demas. Because of Demas. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was hurt. Yes. Paul was hurt because right. of Demas. Demas was his friend. He was, he traveled with him. You can see him just mentioned like, isn't he only mentioned in like three verses? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they were on a missionary journey together. Right. I mean, this was a big deal. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, they, they had probably packed everything for the a group. A long time. And, yeah. I mean, it was, but it was like for him just to bail. And it, it, all it says is that Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Right. Like, and that's the sad end. Yeah. So Paul felt that, like the, the being deserted, deserted by somebody really, he thought would be with him. Deserted right. is, a, is a deep word. Yeah. You know, he was left. He was forsaken. Yeah. And, you know, that wasn't the only time that that happened in Paul's life. Because mm-hmm. I think about the passage where Paul, remember, he's standing trial for his first defense. Mm-hmm. And remember what Paul said? He says, no one stood with him, like no one stood with me. And I thought, man, that must have been a real hard blow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to have given your life for the sake of the gospel and, and there at your defense, like no one's there with you. No one's there supporting you. Everybody forsook him. That's awful. Yeah. I didn't even think of that one. That yeah. is that is awful. I mean, it's like Demas times the Right? Yeah. It's like I'm there's not. literally no one here. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. I thought of like uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes who turned away from Paul in 2 Timothy 1 um, in Asia. And he's like, they turned away from me. And in 2 Timothy 1, he's like literally just telling Timothy, please don't turn away from me. Please don't turn away from me. Stand strong with for the gospel, you know? And I think Paul experienced hurt by those people. And I don't know if this would be a good example, but in a weird way too, and it, it technically was a personal relationship not necessarily in the church, but with the apostles and their follow and um, somebody who traveled with them. But I thought of John Mark I did and too. how he yeah. would have felt. Um, and then how when Paul, Paul didn't want to take him. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. he would have felt. And Paul later recognized his mistake and he owned up to it. But I think that that actually might've caused some tension um, because why then would Paul come back around later and have to like publicly um, <laughs> say the things he did about John Mark and how he met, he was like wrong about him, you well, know? And even Paul and Barnabas, you yeah. know, like think about that. Like Barnabas was the one that welcomed Paul in. Mm-hmm. Like Barnabas was the one that made Paul feel welcome and, and helped mend some of those bridges between who he had been and now who he was in Christ. And um and then when they're then when they had that personal disagreement and that difference of of what had happened, you know, they saw it both differently. I mean, they had a different perspective on what happened, and I think in a lot of ways they were both right. I mean, I think they were both bringing up some very valid things, but no doubt when they finally made the decision, I think they parted on good terms. I actually think that's a good illustration of of Christians who parted on good terms. I don't think there was animosity in the midst of them separating. I think they both went in different directions, but I think there had to have been a sense of loss though, right? Is you're going now separately to take the gospel places. You're doing the same thing. You're in the same work. You're working for the same person. But you know, that I just, you think about it, like when they got on the road and, and they're heading different directions and they're probably replaying in their mind, everything that they said and what, and you know, they're like, well, I do feel like I'm right here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they both were, I think they were both right. In, in their that, concerns. In their concerns. Yeah. And you know, I think that we see the gospel actually look what happens in the Bible. You see the gospel uh, just exploding because of that. Like mm-hmm. the gospel's taken in two directions. Also, I don't think we can overlook uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do you see in the gospels Jesus being misunderstood and criticized and rejected? I mean, he was rejected by his own family. Mm-hmm. He wasn't accepted in his own hometown. Like in his moments of trial and need, like his disciples left him. 
I also thought of, um, was speaking of the disciples, that was Judas. So Judas betrays all of them. I mean, he betrays Jesus. Sure. But he he was he was in their company. He was their friend. He traveled with them. They loved him. He loved them. They were they were together. And then Judas betrays them all. Like it. I, that and that's had, deep wounds. That had there. to hurt so much. It, yeah. it, Jesus, but also the disciples. Right. Right. And, and that was never resolved. You sure. know, like that was never something. There was no happy end to that story. That was sure. just a sad end. Right, because I think when we're talking about people being hurt by the church, what we're saying is people are being hurt by people in the church, mm-hmm. people who profess to know Christ and follow Christ. And uh, and sometimes there's a resolution, like you see with Paul and Barnabas. They eventually, sure. you know, Paul eventually comes over and agrees with Barnabas about John Mark and commends him. But then you also see like Judas and the disciples, and that doesn't end well. Like sometimes we have good endings, sometimes we have resolutions, sometimes we don't. And we have to know what to do with our hurt in both of those instances. Sure. So let me ask you guys this question then. What is kind of the common response to being hurt by the church? So I I don't know. Okay, this just might be me, but I don't know if there is like one common response I would point to. And the reason I say that is because Every situation is so different. Um, And so I I think there are some common situations and some common responses. And a couple that I came up with was one, um, this idea of pulling away. And that goes both directions. Um, I've seen uh, people where they will pull away from church because of hurt. But then I've also seen the church pull away from people because of hurt or misunderstandings that come up because of hurt. And, um, both are pulling away and both uh, I think are detrimental sometimes. Um, And when I say pulling away from church, I mean pulling away from church as a whole, like the big C church and um, that pulling away. I think sometimes too, um, there a common response to church hurt is a, um, I would call it clamming up, but this idea of like, we just aren't going to talk about it, you know, and that goes on both sides. Uh, That goes for the person who was hurt, um, the offender and the offendee sometimes. And it's like, well, why are we not going to talk about it? <laughs> if there's a hurt, we need to talk about it, right? And so I would say that the two that I that kind of just really popped into my brain when I was looking over these questions was uh, the pulling away and the clamming up, the kind of silence that follows. I think that it's easy for us to associate our hurt with God, and then we end yeah. up we end up blaming God for the hurt that other people have inflicted on us. I think that's because, one of the biggest ways. But legitimately, how what happens there is that. Because sometimes, especially with spirits, with leaders, with um, whether it be abusive leaders or leaders who've fallen into sin, they're doing something in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it, I think sometimes pe- people start to associate the hurt with God, mm-hmm. and God's not the one who inflicted the hurt. No, certainly not. But I think people blame God for how his children behave, mm-hmm. you know? And and I thought about this, like, this past week as we were preparing. It's like, even though the bride of Christ is imperfect and at times doesn't reflect Jesus very well, it doesn't take away at all from the fact that the groom is still good. I think uh, Kristen Tabb, she wrote an article which was entitled, Did the Church Hurt You? And listen to what she says. I think this is really interesting. She says, our commitment to the bride is a statement about the worth of the bridegroom. Jesus believed the beauty of the church was worth his life, so he laid it down to purify her. She reflects back to him, not her own intrinsic worth, but the worth of the one who created, called, and redeemed her. 
And I think she said that so well is like, you know, just because the church is imperfect and sometimes doesn't reflect the bride of Christ, doesn't reflect the groom very well, doesn't take away from the reality of who God is, right? I mean, uh, in the worth that the body of Christ should have uh, because of how Jesus values it. And I think, you know, people blame God. And then I think, I think it really boils down to two things. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that you can see people coping with these things, but I think often people draw into one of these two places when they're hurt, they blame God for it or, and, and, or they abandon the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I've seen many people who have just rejected the church altogether. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, I'm a Christian. I love God. I just don't go to church. And it's like somehow they were able to say in the same sentence that they believe in God. They just don't believe in the church. And and every time I hear that, I'm like, well, wait, wait, hold on a second. Like you might have been hurt by people in the church, but you can't quit the church. I mean, Jesus loves the church. And when I say church, I'm not referring here to a local church. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm referring to like the big C church that because Jesus is, says that, that, that is his bride. Like that is his that is his faithful church. And, and I mean, think about what the, think about what the, um, think about what John says in first John, listen to what he says. He says, whoever says that he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Mm -hmm. Whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And then he even says in chapter four, he says, if anyone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother for whom he cannot for whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen mm-hmm. right so i think sadly that's what actually happens is when people have been hurt by other people in the church they turn their anger and their bitterness toward god and then they pull away from the body of christ the bride of christ but here's the thing the bible says in colossians 118 that that the body of christ is jesus body You know, I think a picture that kind of illustrates this is a marriage. You know, the Bible talks about that Jesus is the perfect groom and the church is the sanctified bride of Christ. So um, it's being sanctified. One day it will be glorified. So that's the, you know, that's the illustration that the Bible used. But if you think about this and just in terms of a earthly marriage, you know, when two sinful people, you know, or, or sinners saved by grace get married and they make vows on their wedding day. I mean, I think in some way you'd be naive to think that that person is never going to hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully not intentionally, you know, but right. but uh but I mean, the person that you're pledging your life to and you're committing to promising that in sickness and in health, like you're going to love like but but everybody that's been in a marriage knows that it takes love and forgiveness to make a marriage work. There's no enduring relationships without forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of times if we aren't going so in that illustration of a marriage, if we aren't going to just give up on marriage because of the possibility of hurt or because a hurt happened, why would we give up on the church? You know, and I think in even different uh, in that vein too is many times um, in cases of spiritual abuse when that happens, we even give up on the idea of uh, any type of authority being able to be good. You know. And, um, how many times does that happen? You know, where there's that case of a spiritual abuse and then the person who was deeply hurt by that and like rightfully they were hurt by that. Um, 
their question then is, well, how can there ever be any, another good authority figure in life, you know, who is a spiritual authority figure? How can any type of spiritual authority be good, you know? And you can't, you can't say that, like, <laughs> you can't say that all just because of one situation that everything is bad. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to say, you know, well, that situation was bad and that situation was hurtful, but God is still given his church. God is still given, um, uh, elders and spiritual authority in the church to leadership in the church. And, um, I think that too often we're all or nothing type people. Uh, I know I am in my life and it's like, we're all in or we're all out. And that's not how it works. You know, <laughs> like it, it, it can't be as black and white sometimes as like all authority is bad. No, like that person who abused in that situation was bad, but God still gave good spiritual authority figures. Mm-hmm. Um, not all churches are bad. That one church might have been bad and how it handled your situation. Uh, but God still gave his church to lead, um, in the gospel effort. And see, I think you bring up a really good point because just when the body of Christ doesn't reflect Jesus very well, doesn't take away from the fact that he is not ultimately good. And I I think about what you're saying is very true that the body of Christ is bigger than any one local assembly. And so the culture in a local church is created by the people there. And, and, you know, some churches don't have healthy cultures and they're not being driven by a healthy culture, but that does not take away the reality that the bride of Christ is bigger than that. And so I think what really just breaks my heart as a pastor is to see, you know, even when I was growing up, uh, people that were hurt by a church or people in a church and they, they abandoned the church altogether. But, but, you know, the thing is, you shouldn't let what happened in one local assembly color your impression of the entire body of Christ, because that's not what it is. I mean, the body of Christ is bigger than any one locality. And, uh, and I think, you know, what happens is when people pull away uh, because they've been hurt from a church and, and maybe there was a really good reason to leave a church, you know, I think there's, there's some that we maybe want to talk about that, but I think there's sometimes reasons to leave a church. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that you abandon the church altogether, right? Uh, you know, I think for the people that have, you know, walked away from the church and they're no longer uh, involved in the body of Christ, they're not serving in a body, they're not attending a body, they're not a part of that. I think it's, a, I think it's more of a reflection on them than the church that they left. It is easier not to go. It is easier not to belong. It is easier to walk away when you've been hurt. Right. That is the easier thing to do, but it is not it's not the right thing to do. No, and I think um, you know, if if we do that, we we grow disillusioned into thinking that you know, all churches or all leaders or all, you know, like you were saying Stephen, are that way. And um so let, let's can we just kind of like segue here a little bit, kind of shift gears and you know, so what are some practical steps to healing, right? Like healing from uh, deep church hurt. All right. Well, I'll jump in. Uh, <laughs> we had a moment where everybody looked at each other on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'll jump in. Uh, I, I think that uh, there is a few things that you can do practically. One would be to um, take personal time with you and the Lord Um, and when I say that, I don't mean like sit down and do your devotions. I mean, get away, 
I'm talking like if you've been truly and deeply hurt and you're trying to work through something, something I've had to do in my life is if I'm ever hurt deeply, if I'm trying to think through something deeply, whatever it is, there are times in life where you need to get away, whether it's you go and go somewhere and spend the night where there's no cell phone signal, whether it's you go and hike in the woods, they whatever you do, to Kitaba, they can come Steven. to Kataba, whatever it is, <laughs> take some time with you and the Lord and call out to him and express your hurt to him. He already knows, but there's something about when you take the time to realize your hurt and you are honest before the Lord and you just, you just talk to him, be real with him, lay it all out there for him and, um, ask him for healing, start to begin to ask him for healing. And then even take that time to begin to specify who's hurt you. We talked about that earlier in the podcast, but if people have hurt you, many times we think, well, they hurt me, so I'm off the hook. But you actually have just as much responsibility, according to the Bible, as they do. And so come up with who specifically hurt you so you can follow through with your responsibility to them by going to them and um, tr- at least seeking reconciliation in that. So these would be right. like two simple things that just would pop into my head off well, them. The Bible makes the, the point that it's always, it's always your turn, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, if, if you've been sinned against by another and somebody, you know, somebody has hurt you and, you know, the Bible would look at like first Corinthians talking about covering things in love. And, uh, but, but if you can't cover that in love, somebody that's wronged you, the Bible calls you to go to them. Right. And then, and then on the very reverse side, like if you've sinned against somebody else, the Bible tells you to go to them. Right. So every time it's your turn it's it's it, the responsibility is always on each one of us as a follower of Christ um to to uh to forgive i mean that is isn't it that and here's the thing you know when jesus said by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have what love love but how do you experience love you experience love by forgiveness right you don't have any loving enduring relationships without forgiveness you can forgive someone even if they're not asking for your forgiveness that's been really important in my life and um just realizing that sometimes there's not the resolution that you want even if you do go to the person and the person goes to you sometimes they're not going to forgive you um, if you're the one who hurt them, sometimes you're not going to work through all that in in this really rosy way. Yeah, we hope that there's resolution and restoration, but that doesn't always happen. And but you can forgive someone even if they're not asking for your forgiveness. And forgiving them is giving up my right to hurt them for hurting me. That's a good way of saying it. And I can let God be the one who deals with all the justice and making things right, but I can give up my right to hurt them for hurting me. Hmm. It doesn't take away from my pain. It doesn't take away from my experience. It doesn't take away from how hard it has been. But I I can, whether or not I feel like it, give up my right and my right, right. To, to hurt them for hurting me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we need to, um, I mean, the Bible calls us to forgive and and that releases my hurt to the Lord. You know, I think you both are saying that it's um, forgiveness is releasing that hurt um, to the Lord and dwelling on God's forgiveness of us. I mean, isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 5? He says, you know, love your neighbor. You have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, I mean, Jesus is calling us to love even our enemies and to pray for those people. And then he says in Matthew 6, as we're praying, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I think, you know, Jesus is showing us the importance of releasing our hurt to him. Like you were just saying, Laura, resting in the fact that vengeance belongs to him. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And uh, and dwelling on God's forgiveness of us. Um, and, and in all of that, you know, all of that takes humility. Uh, to release bitterness, to release hurt takes humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so, I mean, I, I guess what I, what I think about is, you know, sometimes people refuse to forgive um, when they've been hurt because it's kind of this attitude that they want to recognize, they want other people to see just how much they've been hurt. You know, it's like we, we, we refuse to let that hurt go because by holding on to it, we we feel like we're somehow validating just how bad we were hurt or um, wronged. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we hold that because we wait as if people are going to come and, and recognize just how much they hurt us. And, mm-hmm. and I remember a pastor saying years ago, and I thought it was so true. He says, he says, people will never account for how much they've hurt you. Like no matter how hard you may want them to understand that like they will never understand how much they've hurt you and and i thought that was so true because it's like what do you i guess the question is like well what do you want them to do and it's like well i think all of us that have been hurt would know that even if people said the right things and had the right heart and demonstrated the right thing even even in all of that it doesn't it doesn't set right the the hurt, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a true hurt and, and there's only one way to deal with hurt and it's through the power of forgiveness, right? It's, um, it's, 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 it's experiencing God's forgiveness in our own life. And, um, I think oftentimes people hold on to hurt because they want to be, you know, validated. But the thing is, hang on, the King already knows. <laughs> he already sees, he already knows what happened. And so, he's the only one that truly matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. at, at the end of the day, if it, you know, Paul talks about having a conscience clear before God and man. And, uh, and as long as you have that, like there is incredible freedom in that. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree with you on that. Um, focusing on <laughs> what has been done for us is the key to healing. Right. And that's like the base foundation of it. I, I would also include too, that, um, another practical step would be to not give up hope. Um, mm. I think too often when we, we give up hope, um, and if you give up hope, you can't find a place of healing. Um, and what I mean by that is if you give up hope on community, if you give up hope on church, you can't find the place of healing that God would lead you to after that hurt to find healing in. Uh, I think back to, um, in my life to when I was a child and my family went through some hurt, um, and some, uh, spiritual abuse and things in that time frame, And in a fail swoop in like a matter of weeks, I lost probably like 95% of my friends, um, that I'd had as a child. Um, even maybe a little bit more than that. And that sounds dramatic, but it's true because my community was in my church. And, um, I remember being like 13 and having zero friends and being like, okay, so what do we do? You know? And I remember if I had given up hope, cause it felt hopeless at that point, uh, if I had given up hope, I would have never found, um, the community that the Lord led our family to and the youth group that he led me to. And that has given me lifelong friends, friends that I still have to this day, uh, a mentor that I have to this day, um, in my youth pastor then. And 
what would it have been if I had given up hope or if my family had given up hope, you know, um, we would not have found that place of healing that the Lord wanted to lead us to. And, uh, I think too often we give up hope and we miss out on finding the places of healing that God would like to lead us to after those hurts. You're right. And I think, you know, for those of us who are followers of Christ and profess to be born again, Christians, um, you know, there is a real reality by which we live and are in fellowship with sinners saved by grace and people are not perfect and, and, and we, and, and, and hurt does happen. But, um, you know, if you feel hurt in that way, I guess the encouragement I would turn people to is Matthew chapter 18. I mean, that whole passage is what about if your brother sins against you? Well, Jesus, he actually gives us a responsibility. I mean, he gives a, you know, Peter wanted to know like, Lord, how many times can they sin against me? And you know, that's it, you know, like, and he's like seven times. And Jesus said, no, what, how many times are we to forgive? 70, 70 times, times seven, times. which is actually not an exact number. No, it was an illustration. It's an illustration. <laughs> and Jesus is showing this the magnitude of how much we've been forgiven. And we are all Peter. <laughs> and we are all Peter. We are all you Peter. Know? Because here's the thing. like we're, we're like, man, I've been hurt. I'm pulling away. You know, and that attitude of just, you're dead to me, you know. And it's like, but here's the thing. If, if we don't forgive and reunite with another local church or, or be, be reunited in in the active life of the body and serving with the body. I think that says a lot more about a person's unforgiveness than it does about Christ's body, you know, because God wants us to experience his grace to receive deliverance from the wounds that have led a person to be resentful and bitter. And so you see in Matthew 18, the responsibility of every follower of Christ, if they have been sinned against, the, the response. And I mean, this is tough because it, it involves confrontation. It, it, it involves um, forgiveness, right? But, and, and Jesus, then after he talks about that, he talks about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I think all of this could really be summed up in Matthew 18, verse 33. Notice what the master said. The master said, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it? I that's mean, forgiveness too. That, that yeah. is forgiveness right there. It's it's recognizing how much we've been forgiven. And, you know, it's, it, it, I guess it saddens me because, you know, we were talking about today as we were starting the episode. It's like, you know, what person hasn't been hurt by the church? Mm-hmm. And I think in part of that, it's sad because it's like, man, everybody's probably experienced some level of hurt. But I also say, isn't that the, isn't that though the one thing that, I mean, forgiveness, not hurt, isn't forgiveness the one thing? that would define Christ followers in such a revolutionary way that mm-hmm. that these are people who have experienced great persecution, great injustice, sadly at the hands of other professing Christians, yet Jesus calls us to forgive and by forgiving other people, I think that's one of the most powerful um, testimonies to others, right? So can, can we end this way? I feel like we've had so much like, you know, hard conversation about the church. Can I ask you guys this question? What if we just ended by talking about like, what is one way that the church has actually ministered to you or encouraged you? Like what are, what is one thing about the body of Christ that you're truly thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for how the Lord uses imperfect vessels to accomplish his perfect will. And I'm thankful that the body of Christ, um, how it shows love. And Emily and I have been so thankful for being a part of the church we're a part of for the past five plus years now, because uh, so many times there's been uh, patience that has been given to us, but we've also given patience to those in the body, but it's a two-way street. 
And so if I expect to receive patience in love, I must be quick to give patience in love because it's not a, I get it and I don't have to give it back. The whole point of being in the body is I get it and I have to give it back whenever <laughs> it's required. <laughs> and I think that has been something that I'm thankful for because it has definitely been given uh, to us, but we've also been able to give. And even in times where it's like, well, I don't really want to give patience to you right now, you know, but we've still been able to, to do that. And, um, the blessings far outweigh the times where it's like, man, I don't really want to be patient, but I'm thankful for the way that the Lord works through his body to give patience and encouragement in times of need. That's good. I'm thankful for, um, brothers and sisters in Christ that have seen me at my worst, have heard me, um, question everything in my life, have, um, heard me out when I'm angry at God, heard me out when I'm angry at other people and have loved me just the same. Hmm. And I realize that not everybody has that gift. Um, and I'm sorry if you don't have those people in your life, but they do exist. And I'm thankful for those people in the body of Christ that have extended that grace and love to me. Yeah. And I think I would ex- just echo everything you guys are saying. And I think for me, it's like twofold. It's like, I wouldn't be the person I am today without the body of Christ. You know, like I, I, I wouldn't have grown the ways that I've grown. I wouldn't have been stretched in the ways that I have been stretched apart from Christ's body, you know, and it's, and, you know, we, we kind of asked the question, like, couldn't there have been any better way, you know, right? <laughs> but, but yet God brings about this sanctifying work through his people. I mean, it's, it's actually the way by which God wants to sanctify us uh, is through this redeemed community that are you know, completely forgiven of all of their sin, and yet they're still working through, you know, the power of sin in their life and finding freedom in that. And I think it's the hope that, you know, one day, man, we will be delivered fully from that sin and the pain of all those things. And I think that the second thing I would just say is I appreciate uh, the men and women in my life that I've seen on the uh, end of, I mean, who have who have experienced the hurt of other people in the body of Christ and seeing the way that they have forgiven and the way that they have um, moved forward and in, in, in the victory that God has for them. And to me, that's been, that's been a real encouragement is to see that, you know, there's other people that have experienced this and they were able to experience the grace and power of God's mercy, you know, because I, I think it, what it really comes down to, it's like, we want to extend grace because we realize that like, I'm going to need that grace back. You know, like all of us are stumbling forward in, in the Christian life and, uh, and all of us need God's grace. None of us are so far, you know, reached the point where we don't need God's grace anymore. And none of us, you know, on the same token aren't in need of God's grace. So I think it's like the reminder that every one of us are in need of God's grace. And, uh, we give grace because we realize that sooner or later we're going to need grace in return, right? So, amen, amen, amen. Any any concluding thoughts, guys, on our conversation today? Hey, I would just encourage you if you've been hurt by the church, don't give up hope. Go to the Lord and find a place of healing and uh, really get plugged in. If that means that you have to maybe take some steps back from how involved you were previously to really find some of that, okay, but like, don't give up hope and find that place of healing because God has a place for you to heal, uh, but you can't give up hope because you'll miss out. There are two other things that have been really helpful to me in seasons of being really hurt by God's people. One of, and they're both really practical, um, not super deep, 
but they're just really practical. Um, one of them is to recognize that any kind of hurt or trauma is going to lead you to, through a season of grief. Hmm. And grief is something that you should recognize. You shouldn't ignore it. You should be very aware of grief. Um, your pain is legitimate. Like what you feel is pain. That's right. And to recognize that you're going to have seasons of grief. And, you know, psychologists say that there's five stages of grief. Okay. So we're going to roll with this right now because this was really helpful to me. That's good. So there's denial. There's anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance. Hmm. And I found for myself, I oscillated through all of those over and over. Like, I think maybe, I don't know if you're supposed to like go like through them. you hit four and went back to one. Yes. <laughs> I would be like, oh no, this didn't really happen. Maybe I imagined it. You go all the way back to denial and start all over again. Right. And But it's very important to be aware of those things so that you can walk through them in a healthy way. And it's also really helpful to have a safe person to help you walk through those things with, mm-hmm. um, whether that be a biblical counselor or um, a friend that you trust walking through that is really important and so those five stages of grief recognize it don't ignore your grief and then secondly i think that um it has you need to take steps toward health and what i mean is like spiritual and emotional health so being hurt is exhausting it is emotionally and physically exhausting especially if you're going through a season of pain with the church and you know a lot of times Seasons of pain mean you're going to have a lot of meetings with people. You're going to sit down and discuss things. You're going to disagree with one another. You, it, it can be exhausting. That's right. And you need to rest. You, you take a nap. Read a book. Go for a walk. Sleep at night. Um, change your scenery. Do something to rest. And while you're taking that step towards health, also, like Stephen said, don't give up hope on community Try to seek to actively build that community. It doesn't have to be a huge community at first, but take a step towards someone. If you feel alone, just take a step out there and try to build some community because we need one another. But also to lastly, to continue as you're stepping towards health, to renew your mind in God's truth. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times my mind was just muddy and full of confusion, but God's word is not confusing. That's right. That's right. And I think you just mentioned a good thing to read a book. I'm going to, I'm going to end the podcast today with plugging a book. Um, this is a book for people that I think if, if you're in the process that Laura was just describing and you said, man, it would be helpful to walk through this with somebody and to really diagnose what happened. Um, one of the best books I would recommend on this topic is called the peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Uh, the subtitle is A Biblical Guide to Resolving Personal Conflict. It is, um, we were joking before the podcast, but I said second to the Bible, this book is probably like the treatise in terms of uh, interpersonal conflict. And um, this book was a real help to me in my own personal life. And um, he walks through what I think a lot of times gets failed to be mentioned here, and that is forgiveness is both a decision and a process. And I think we, we probably, if you grew up in Christian circles, like it was really emphasis to you, emphasized to you that forgiveness is a decision, and it is. It's the release fully, you know, releasing uh, the hurt. But but forgiveness is also a process, and I think in that process of forgiving, uh, Ken Sandy's book really helps walk people through uh, to diagnose their own, you know, their own hurt and and what. 
what happened and uh, and then to find real victory uh, in that. And so uh, we hope today that this conversation about being hurt by the church has at least been an encouragement to you. We hope that you would run to the Lord and find that even though the body of Christ at times does not very well uh, reflect uh, the Savior that uh, doesn't take away from the reality that that the that the groom is truly good and and God desires uh, a life of uh, hope and and joy for you and um, and uh, we would encourage you to go to our website to wherewelandorg and download the landing guide. There you'll find uh, links to some helpful articles and resources, as well as some key scripture texts and some questions that may be a real help to you uh, to really understand where you're at in this topic of being hurt by the church. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, we hope that this conversation has been a great encouragement to you. Uh, we would hope that you would go to our website at wherewelandorg where you can download the landing guide. Also, if you've not taken the time to go on Apple Podcasts to rate and review Where We Land, we would really appreciate the, the recommendation and uh, to rate it and review it and then maybe to share this episode uh, with someone else if it's been a great encouragement to you. Well, hey, we hope to join you here next time as we're releasing new episodes every other Friday. We'll see you then.